The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome to another edition of the Disability Law Show here. And uh, we're going to get rolling right away. You want to reach out anytime, by the way, to get a hold of uh, Savan. It is simple, 1-855-821-5900. That is toll-free, as always. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll, uh, we'll focus on mydisabilityquestions.com as well. That is a resource for you anytime. Ask your questions. Not only that, can you put a question in there? There is a drop-down menu with a uh, history, a, a log of questions that have already been asked and answered, so you can go through They'll search them, and there's uh, probably a fairly good probability that uh, your question has been answered in depth already, so do that search as well. And, uh, guys, for the next little while, it looks like covidrights.ca is going to be a pretty active website, and it was put together, Savan, by you and Lior and some members of the team at the firm. And I know there's a lot of uh, good information to be uh to be found on covidrights.ca and as well we have uh, Tamar with us today on the show she is an amazing lawyer and she joined the firm recently we'll get to her background here in just a bit welcome Tamar welcome Savan guys let's do this uh Savan take it away pal what do you got off the top oh hey John uh, yeah it's it's uh, again a very very busy week uh, with this mm. chaos that's all around us and uh, I'm really happy that Tamara is going to join us uh, uh, later later on she comes from a very interesting background and uh, you know I think people should be listening to what she has to say especially as we go through the emails that we do every week you know dealing with long-term disability and individuals rights when we are dealing with insurance companies who are trying to either deny or cut off or pressure people back to work but let me start off with something that is a bit unrelated, related and unrelated. It has to do with insurance. It's something that I've been uh, hearing about a lot from individuals contacting me, listeners of the show and uh, viewers of our TV show, and that's in regards to travel insurance. People are asking me and saying, you know, I have travel plans, uh, some travel plans that are pre-COVID uh, that I have coming up, and also travel plans that I'm thinking about doing based on government assessments that things are going to get better later this year or even in 2021. And, and listen, I, I had some travel plans as well. I was supposed to go see my brother in June in, in Baltimore. I, here's my advice to you and something I want people to keep in mind. When we travel, uh, generally, uh, we all have travel insurance, right? I always tell people, yep. make sure you have travel insurance, whatever, whether it's through work or through your credit card. I mean, the best thing is to just get independent travel insurance whenever you book a trip. Keep in mind that travel insurers have now said that they will not cover uh, medical expenses and even trip cancellations related to COVID. That means that if you wow. travel... Uh, during this time when there isn't a vaccine or, you know, this situation is not under control and insurers are still not covering you and you get hospitalized, for example, uh, because you contract COVID or, I don't know, something related to COVID uh, in the States or in Europe or in Asia, somewhere else, you may get stuck with a major health bill at the end. I'm not even talking about the risks of traveling during this time. But just the idea that tr if you travel, you may be, you may have uh, insurance uh, issues. So you know you don't want to go to the U.S. even in September, perhaps when we still don't have the situation under control, without 
uh, proper insurance coverage. Imagine you get stuck in a hospital there for two weeks and get a bill for $100,000. So just be very, very careful. And and in fact, when I had emailed my firm earlier today about this very issue, my assistant emailed me saying that she knows someone who was on a backpacking trip for six months in Asia who uh, actually returned home because he got a letter from his insurer saying, your travel insurance coverage is being canceled within seven days. So, you know, keep that in mind, travel insurance. Again, irrespective of the medical considerations here of traveling during this uh, this pandemic and, and even later this year, no one has a crystal ball. We don't know what to expect. So that's just Again, what I wanted to say about that, John. Again, uh, covidrights.ca for more information to get, to get a hold of what uh, Savannah talks about here each week on the show, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. What else you got? What else you got, pal? Let, let me read to you an email that I got uh, recently, and it's a tragic email, but it's in line with what I now get almost on a daily basis from people across the country. He, here's the email. Uh, it, it comes from, um, from, from a lady who wrote, uh, Hello, after watching your disability show on Sunday, I wanted to write on behalf of my daughter. Last August, our daughter lost her 26-week infant daughter. She was nine days old. Our daughter is a child and a youth worker who works in a multidimensional government facility with the most difficult young children uh, under, who can no longer live at home. She works with the children in cottages where they live on site. She has been off since her daughter's death, first on EI for maternity and then on EI for stress leave. She's heading back to, uh, to work tomorrow and is under incredible stress and anxiety. I feared this day for her and now with COVID-19, it has just exasperated her uh, return. Um, she has also has, uh, she also has a two-year-old daughter and is terrified that safety measures are not in place and will risk her coming into contact with this virus and bringing it home to her partner and her daughter. I mentioned to her to talk with her doctor if she feels that she's unable. She's very strong, but I worry about her mental health. Do you think that she would qualify for disability in the short term? I know she wants to get back to work eventually, but I just feel this is not the right time for her with COVID-19. So very, very tragic situation, obviously, here. And, you know, it's something, John, that we've been talking about for several weeks now, which is that I anticipate a tsunami of mental health claims coming the way of of disability insurers uh, with short-term disability and long-term disability. And I think uh, I'm predicting, I'm not hoping for this, certainly not, but I'm predicting that people are going to get denied left, right, and center for a variety of reasons. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, the question is this. Do you have disability coverage, either through work or privately? Do you have access to short-term and or long-term disability? Are you disabled from working? The disability can be psychological. It could be from depression. It could be from heightened anxiety that leads to depression, PTSD, phobias, any number of, of psychological issues that disable you from performing your job. Uh, and if you are and your doctors uh, say to you that you cannot work in their opinion, you should be applying it, as far as I'm concerned, for disability. And if you get denied, this is when you get, you know, you call us. You call us and we talk to you about your case. And, and John, we've said this time and time again, we don't charge for this. Our job is to give you information. We take that job very, very seriously. We take that obligation, especially during this COVID uh, pandemic, very seriously. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you this, I speak with people all the time and I tell them, listen, you have a case or you don't have a case. We're very objective when we analyze these kinds of situations, but it's absolutely crucial for people to understand that if they are disabled from working, uh, whether it's because of a psychological issue or, or a disability or a physical or a combination of both, and they have access to disability coverage, they should apply. 
And if they get denied unjustly, then we can probably help them. We'll uh, take a short break. Lots more to go here. Just getting warmed up. And as Savannah mentioned, you want to check out the TV show, go to disabilityrights.ca. It'll tell you where to find that. Uh, and in reaching out anyway, one 821 5900 Toll free, of course. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. Lots more on the way. Do not go anywhere. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're right back at it. Disability Law Show here. Global News Radio reaching out. Simple. If you don't know this number already, 1-855-821-5900. Toll free to get a hold of Savan and the crew. And uh, you want to go to help at disabilityrights.ca to find uh, past shows of this nature or television as well. Go to disabilityrights.ca. That is the website. And lots of information as we continue to focus on this pandemic. Covidrights.ca as well. Uh, recent addition to the firm, uh, Savan Tamar, a brilliant lawyer has joined us and uh, she was here the first segment but we're going to get her on here very shortly tomorrow before we get back into uh, some more letters and some more emails and stuff from mydisabilityquestions.com give us a little background of uh, where you came from sure thank you so much for having me both of you Uh, and so until i joined st law last fall i spent my entire legal career working on the other side of the table defending insurance companies Mm. i was a partner at a national law firm and then one of the top litigators at a large disability insurance company so i've litigated thousands of injury and disability cases and in fact i know firsthand how effective savannah and his team are in pursuing people's rights for compensation so i'm just thrilled to now be part of his team and doing this great work so thank you for having me on the show. It's great that you can uh, pull the curtain back now. we got a real, real, because I, I know, Savannah, you've worked on that side as well, but that was years ago since you have your own firm now. But it's nice we can get a little bit of a more of a, an inside look with Tamara, a recent one anyway, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. you know, she has a lot more experience than I do, and, and James does on the, on the other side. Yeah. And I can tell you, the way that we actually got to know each other is through James, because James and Tamara actually had a few files together. And I remember the day. Uh, last fall, uh, or be just before then, uh, James came to me and says, uh, I really think you should be meeting someone. Uh, and, and Tamar, I think he told you this, but he specifically said to me, she's the only lawyer who had made me work so hard to get the settlement I needed to get for my client. And, and I thought that was, that was one hell of a compliment uh, to a lawyer because James is an exceptional lawyer. So for him to say that about you, I am thrilled that you are part of our team. And uh, frankly, I think that insurance companies should be very worried. What else? Uh, what else you got going on, pal? You wanted to read something else that you got? Yes. Uh, so Go I have. Uh, I, it, let me let me um, uh, tell you about another email that I had received. So this person wrote the following, and again, I'm going to not mention the name of the insurance company as I always do, uh, but I, I, I want to give some thoughts about this. So this person writes, I have been off work since August of 2019 with depression, anxiety, fibromyalgia, and some other physical health concerns. My claim was acceptance, uh, accepted for long-term disability with X insurance company uh, on February 21st, but they're already harassing me to go back to work, and they have picked the date of June 1st. I told my adjuster that it was too early and we could not wait, uh, and, and could we not wait until this COVID-19 pandemic is over? But she's persisting with me getting video counseling once a week until June 1st and then onward while I am working. This pushing has caused me to start having panic attacks and having to get anxiety medication from my doctor. In the initial assessment, my doctor said my return date was unknown at this time. That's, the, uh, that's in quotes. 
I am now currently very ill and spend most of my days on the couch. It's quite possible I, I had the virus but was not tested. I have not been answering uh, their calls because I, I only have uh, half a voice and a terrible cough that is worse when I talk. I'm going to go down the email. He says, I spoke to my doctor regarding this and he said, unfortunately, in quotes, these people, end quotes, won't care what he says and their hope is that you just follow what they say or just give up. I work in mental health, the mental health community uh, and I will have to give residents medication and this scares me to death because I have, I have a hard time remembering when I last took my own medicine. Is there anything I can do or say to her, to my adjuster, about the situation or do I just have to follow all that she wants and find out what happens? So again, just a ludicrous situation in my mind. I mean, there's a few issues here to untangle. First of all, uh, with respect to treatments, let me make this clear. Every long-term disability policy I have seen, and I think tomorrow you will you will concur, uh, obligates a person to get treatments. It's it's you know there there is this idea out there which is a correct idea, which is that you should try to get better. Uh, and in law, it's also called mitigation, right? You have to mitigate your injury, your illness. You have to get better. And frankly, forget about the legalities. You should want to get better. Uh, but you know, to the extent that individuals can get better uh, through counseling, through other treatments, etc., they should do that. I actually spoke with a psychologist earlier this week from uh, Vancouver. Uh, and, and talk to him about this very issue and he says that he's been now treating individuals through various platforms Zoom, Skype, uh, um, FaceTime, etc. So, so you do have an obligation to get treatments and so the adjuster is I think correct when it comes to that uh, however what, where the adjuster I think is wrong and I can understand the individual's uh, um, uh, you know, issues here and, and the doctor's frustration as well is when the insurance company says, the adjuster says, you have to get these treatments and you're going to get back to work by June 1st. That's, that's stupid. That's ludicrous. I mean, I'm not even talking about the fact that we are now in the middle of an unprecedented pandemic, which is in itself in, in a huge issue. I'm talking about the fact that if the doctor says that this person is unable to go back to work now or in the near future, how can the adjuster possibly say, no, I disagree with your doctor, you must try to go back? You must try to go back essentially against medical advice and against uh, you know you knowing that you are ready to go back to work and and, and so my advice to this individual is essentially to get a letter um, it can be a short letter uh, but a letter a substantive letter from the doctor explaining why it is that the individual is not ready to go back to work in the near future uh, what treatments the doctor is prescribing validating that the individual is getting those treatments, whether they are through some kind of a remote platform or, or, or otherwise. And uh, the individual should then uh, be uh, emailing this letter to the adjuster and stating to the adjuster that certainly he is interested in getting back to work or trying to go back to work, but his health is most important and he's going to follow his doctor's advice. Uh, because again, at the end of the day, no matter what the legalities are, you want to make sure that you're not going to put yourself in harm's way by going back to work before you are ready. And certainly, you're not going to go back to work before your doctor thinks you are ready. So, you know, that's the advice I have for this person. But it's not unusual, John, for me to get these kinds of emails and phone calls from people who are yeah. saying, I'm being pressured to go back to work, especially now when we have all this COVID crisis going on. It's just exacerbating everything. 
So those are my thoughts about that. Tamara, I don't know if you want to chime in and, and give us your perspective. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know. I mean, we, we touched on this a little bit this week as well. Savannah and I were chatting about uh, a woman who reached out to me similarly saying, you know, I'm getting this pressure about returning to work. Um, you know, I'm still within treatment. You know, what can I say? What can I do? Um, and so I'd echo what Savannah was saying about something from the doctor. You know, I don't like the idea when people are being told from their doctors, it doesn't matter what the doctor says, you know, the insurance company is going to do what they're going to do. And that might be the case. Uh, but if you don't have your doctor actually writing something meaningful, commenting on the function, you know, this person's on the couch every day, they're mixing their medication, you know, that's a huge problem. And it's got to be put pen to paper so that the insurance company sees it in black and white exactly what it is that this person is suffering from. Um, It may or may not back them off, but at the very least, then you've got somebody on your side supporting what you're saying. And you've got a reason, frankly, not to go back to work in June. Um, The other element of this is that I sort of noticed there was some safety-sensitive Um, aspect to this individual's job. Well, that too in and of itself should be a reason why this person shouldn't be going back to work in June, particularly since we don't know where the end of the pandemic might be. And so that amplifies the fact that not only is this person suffering a disability, but there's a component of their job specifically that should prevent them from going back right now as it relates to their function and the job. So making those connections in a variety of different ways is really, really important to the insurance company. Guys, we'll take a a quick break, get to more of that uh, on the way here. You want to send along an email or some questions yourself, easy, mydisabilityquestions.com. That is a wonderful place to do that. Good old-fashioned email always works, help at disabilityrights.ca. And uh, covidrights.ca as well, lots of information there. You want to reach out to uh, Tamar, Savan, the rest of the crew, you can do that. And the phone number, of course, 1-855-821-5900, Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we are back. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio, reaching out real simple. As you uh, know, the phone number 1-855-821-5900. Disabilityrights.ca is the website. Go there and catch past episodes of our uh, long-running TV show as well. You want to go to covidrights.ca, obviously having to do with the uh, coronavirus and the pandemic. Lots of information there. And contact. And then there's also email help at disabilityrights.ca. Tamara, welcome back to the show. Your first time being on the show. It's good to have you. A recent addition to the uh, to the firm fantastic work you uh, you recently wrote an article yeah what was that about I did. It's uh, really picking up on this issue of what's happening with long-term care homes. Uh, you know, the, the information we're hearing is staggering out of various media outlets saying, you know, half of Canada's COVID-19 deaths are basically from long-term care residents. You know, the pandemic has really exposed this deep issue we have in Ontario's care facility systems. Uh, and frankly, it's really just years of underfunding, lots of understaffing, and it's just rearing its head. You know, we're seeing that there's a real focus on, you know, basically the most vulnerable members of our society who are just getting shortchanged through all this, and it's resulting in some really basically fatal results. So what I wanted to get across, John, was that, you know, there are laws and regulations. You know, they're there to protect the elderly. They have a right to a safe and clean environment. You know, they have a right to be free from abuse and neglect and really be protected from this infection. And these laws should not and are not as suspended during uh, the COVID-19 crisis. I think the problem is, is that you've got 
you know, mismanagement at different levels of government. You know, you've got this bureaucracy at play. And, you know, at the end of the day, people are not getting the care that they need. They've got staff rotating through, um, you know, no proper controls, not sufficient measures, and there's just not enough oversight. And so, you know, we want to get across to people that, you know, you have rights, uh, there's lots of questions here, but if your loved ones are injured or sick or frankly tragically pass away in these long-term care facilities during this pandemic, you and your loved ones can seek compensation. Yeah, John, I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, we've been, again, speaking with people about, and, uh, you know, Tamara's absolutely right, and I have dealt before with long-term uh, care homes and, and their insurance companies. Remember, they're all insured. And, uh, you know, we're not telling people uh, that they, you know, should simply seek compensation when nothing happens, obviously. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that the law does allow you to seek that compensation if, in fact, there was negligence there. And I want to make this absolutely clear because Tamara's made that clear. And, and you know, everybody knows the frontline healthcare workers are the heroes here. We're talking about mismanagement at the upper levels. Right. And, you know, I've seen situations even, you know, in hospitals where it's the administration that is not doing what they're supposed to do. They're not administering. They're not managing, right? And and here you have doctors and, and nurses and, and PSWs and people who are working their butts off and putting their lives on the line. And, you know, they're not getting the backup that they need. Well, you know what? Somebody needs to be held accountable for the tragedies when they happen. And we are seeing tragedies unfold each and every day. So just keep that in mind. Again, we deal with this, unfortunately, especially during this time. And we can help you if you have questions about that. And generally, when we get contacted on these kinds of issues, uh, it's by, you know, the family members, family members of someone who is suffering right now or somebody who has passed away because of the negligence uh, and mismanagement of, of some of these homes. You know, it's 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 going to be that thing which we've talked about in past weeks, that echo pandemic of, and, and this will, I think, include the people who have lost loved ones and the elderly in these long-term care mm-hmm. homes. They're going to suffer mental illness as well and depression because of, of the loss and the massive loss inside these long-term care. I mean, the majority of, of deaths so far are coming from long-term care homes just based on the age and the demographic. And I think, again, for you guys, it's going to be a lot of phone calls, a lot of questions about this as people can't go to work as a result of losing people. It could be three, four, five, six months from now. Yeah, I mean, we are getting, I'm telling you, a ton of calls and emails, both on the employment side. Remember, we do employment law and we do disability law and injury law. And again, very, very important to understand that people have rights. You know, we're not, when we're here talking about this, we're talking about this because people think that somehow everything is suspended because the government shut down essentially the economy or large portions of the economy. Uh, People can't seek compensation under the law and they can. The courts are not closed. You know, we have some restrictions right now, and the courts are, you know, slow to modernize. But the point is, insurance companies are in business. And by the way, last time I checked, you know, you, me, and everyone else is still getting charged our insurance premiums. (sighs) So there is no reason why, you know, you can't apply for disability, for example, if you are disabled from working. There is no reason why you can't seek compensation if you've been injured because of someone's negligence, whether it's in a car accident or a slip and fall or whatever it is. And all we're doing is advising people that they have those rights and we advise on those rights to individuals for free each and every day. And, you know, I'll tell you, John, people oftentimes when we finish talking with them are just so thankful that now they have the information that they need to make a proper decision as to how to proceed. 
We'll uh, we'll do that. Chance for you to uh, to reach out right now. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Don't hesitate. Keep that number with you, especially in the next few months. It could be really, really crucial for you. The website disabilityrights.ca. You can also go to covidrights.ca. And you want to send along an email? We'll get to some of those here in just a, a little bit. Help at disabilityrights.ca as well. It's a disability law show right here, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And back to the Disability Law Show, reaching out to Savannah Tamar James. Remember the crew, do it, one 821 Toll-free number, of course, email is help at disabilityrights.ca. And as we keep mentioning, you want, you want to go here for lots of information, covidrights.ca. It is current, it is up to date, and it is, uh, it's really necessary and a good resource for you to have, covidrights.ca. You know what, Tamar, given your, uh, your extensive work history as a lawyer defending insurance companies in LTD disputes, what would you say are the, I don't know, top three things you think people who have been denied LTD should know or should do or not do when they're denied? What do you think? Yeah, thanks, John. Absolutely. And I'm going to actually start with number three, because we really touched on this earlier, which is it's really important for doctors and medical professionals to be on your side. They have to support that you cannot work due to your disability and the best way to do that is try and get them to explain the details of your disability in a report, a form, some kind of consultation note, um, and connecting the dots between what it is that you were doing, why you can't do it, and what it is that you're suffering day to day. You know, these insurance case managers, they're, they're not doctors. They have no medical background whatsoever. And so it makes it that much more important almost to, to supply that information to support what it is that's happening to you on a day to day basis. So I would say that's number three. Number two. Actually, you know, Tamar, can I just yeah, stop you there please. for one sec? Uh, I, something just came to mind. I actually uh, remember that earlier this week, uh, one of our lawyers in Vancouver who has a long-term disability claim that he's uh, uh, managing and I'm helping him with, uh, actually got a proper report from our client's treating psychiatrist that dealt with the key issue for why it is that the insurance company said that he was not entitled to LTD. As soon as we gave that report, uh, so we started a legal claim already, okay, because the person was cut off LTD. As soon as we gave that complete report from the psychiatrist, uh, within a day, the lawyer for the insurance company wrote back saying, now that we have everything that you've given us, we want to reinstate your client. We're going to pay your client retroactively, and we're going to put your, your, your client back on claim. So, so just to highlight the point, how important it is, as Tamar put it, that your doctors are on side and provide, uh, you know, the proper opinion and, and a robust opinion, right? I, John, I keep saying to people, you know, your doctor should not just be, uh, uh, you know, scribbling something on a, on a, on a napkin and, and, you know, you can't give that to the insurance company. That's yeah. not enough. I totally agree. And with that, of course, and it sort of flows from this is number two, you know, the non-medical information is just as important. And, and what I mean by that is the information you provide to the insurance company about your day-to-day functioning, what you're doing is just as important as what your medical information says. And really what they're looking for is consistency, okay? In fact, they're actually looking for inconsistent information because they want a reason to decline your claim. So don't give the insurance company that reason. Make sure that your day-to-day function is consistent with what your doctors are saying and that you're telling your insurance company about this. You know, people hesitate to sort of share the trials and tribulations of a disability, and I can absolutely understand that. It's super difficult, especially if it's a mental health condition, but what what is 
difficult is that people cannot see, for example, mental health condition. And so it's important to articulate that and have your doctor support that. So uh, let me stop there and maybe just give a little bit of an anecdote. Um, you know, I was defending a case years ago where we had a plaintiff that told their insurance company that they were severely disabled and basically unable to work their retail job. And that job required them to be on their feet for eight hours a day. Through third-party observations and investigation, the insurance company learned that this plaintiff was actually helping out a friend most weekends at trade shows. So basically, she was working in a similar capacity that went as what she was required to do in a retail job. And so you can see this, this is non-medical information, but it was so compelling. Like this plaintiff's $100,000 case was reduced to 50,000 basically overnight. Uh, and it's, it's difficult, you know, there's ways to explain around it, but you can see how the insurance company is gonna latch onto that, right? Uh, and really capitalize on that. And so, uh, you know, I really wanna emphasize to people that the medical information is super important, but the non-medical information is just as important. Fantastic point. And so this leads me to the number one most important thing, and this isn't going to surprise anyone. You need a lawyer to represent you. You know, and this isn't just you know coming from anywhere. This is coming from years of experience with the insurance companies. They will not take you seriously unless you retained legal counsel. And and you can see even from Savan's um, comments earlier. You know, once you initiate a legal claim, the, the insurance company has to respond. They're legally obligated to. And until then. They can and they will give you the runaround. You know, uh, you get declined, and I know, Savan, John, you guys have touched on this before. You get denied and you're told, basically, do an appeal. And actually, insurance companies are required by law to have an appeal process, but it's to to really justify to their regulators that they have these checks and balances. It's not a process that's meant to actually favor claimants. It's really a process created to buy the insurance company more time and basically to keep from paying you. So, you know, call a lawyer. It doesn't have to be us. Just, you know, it, I, I just encourage people that insurance companies will take it much more seriously if you've got someone advocating on your behalf. So uh, there you go. Any, uh, any thoughts before we uh, go to break here in a minute, Savannah? What do you think? I think that uh, I'm very happy that Tamar is on our team. <laughs> no, because, I mean, you're hearing it from somebody who you know, was one of the top lawyers for for one of the top insurance companies, one of the biggest insurance companies in the country. I mean, and if that doesn't validate everything we've been saying all these years, I don't know what will. You know, and again, people can choose to take this whichever way they want. The point is, this is information, and, and information is power. So use that to your advantage to counterbalance the, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, often unjust and and unfair treatment by insurance companies towards uh, you know your claim or the claim of your loved ones. We'll uh, take a break, get into some emails as promised. You want to send one along, do it. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number when we're not on air anytime, 1-855-821-5900. And you can go to covidrights.ca as well. It's a disability law show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And back at it, the Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio reaching out to Savan Tamar, James, member of the team. Simple one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You want to ask some questions 
Uh, go to MyDisabilityQuestions.com. There is a archive of previously asked questions there as well. You can search those, actually, under subject, etc., and maybe find your question if it's been asked and answered. If not, leave it there, and it will get replied to rather quickly. There's also help at DisabilityRights.ca. That is the email address. In that regard, Greg, first up, says, uh, Savannah, my best friend's wife has stage 3 breast cancer, and her treatments have been disrupted because of the COVID outbreak. She has difficulties getting her long-term disability insured to approve her beyond the 24-month mark that Savannah and James and Tamar often talk about. And I'm wondering what she can do now. Her benefits are supposed to end on May 15th. She and her husband are extremely concerned about their finances. Apparently, the insurance adjuster says that she should be able to go back to do some other work. She's a teacher by profession and has been teaching for over 25 years. Well, I'm going to just start us off and then we'll see what uh, Tamar wants to contribute. I'm sure it's going to be a lot more lucid than what I'm going to say here. This this infuriates me when I hear of these kinds of situations, uh, especially when you're dealing with uh, with uh, cancer and, you know, just terrible, terrible illnesses like that. Uh, look, the reason, first of all, why the 24-month mark is important is because, and John, we've spoken about this quite a few times, in most LTD policies, to get LTD for the first two years, you have to demonstrate uh, with support of your doctors that you cannot perform uh, substantial aspects of your own occupation. It's called the own occupation test. Beyond the, t- the, the two-year mark, the 24th, uh, the 24-month mark, the test changes. It becomes more difficult to meet. The test becomes, can you do uh, any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? And many people who are told that their benefits will end at the 24th, uh, 24-month mark, the two-year mark, assume that that is the extent of what they're entitled to. They assume that their disability payments automatically end and finish at the two-year mark, and that's just not true. Uh, there are policies, there are time-limited policies. I've seen policies that are for two years, five years. I've seen policies that go beyond age 65. Generally, most policies will take you up to age 65, assuming you can, again, demonstrate medically that you are disabled from, from doing either your own occupation or any occupation for which you're suited for. Now, in a case like this here, when, uh, you know, Greg, uh, Greg's best friend's wife uh, has been told that her benefits will end on May 15th, and that despite the fact that she's unable to go back to work and she has medical support saying she will not be able to go back to work, uh, she can take action now. They, they can do something about this now. And one of the mistakes that I often see is when people are given the heads up that their benefits will end when they should not end, and they try to appeal the decision because they think that they have time. They think that you know May 15th is still a month away, for example. Uh, maybe I'll appeal it and they'll change their mind. Chances are they will not change their mind, right? I mean, I, I, I personally would rather go and, and play the, the lottery. Uh, I, I think I'm going to have a better chance in getting this kind of a decision reversed uh, for, for a whole variety of reasons that we often talk about. My point is that they can take action now. And there have been many instances, I can tell you, John, where we've intervened at the early stages before the person was cut off. And once we got involved, the insurance company reversed course because they understood that as soon as they would cut the person off, they would get a legal claim uh, served on them. And that would mean that they would have to then hire a defense lawyer like Tamar, and that would cost them money. And they don't like to spend money on lawyers. That's, that's you know, the one thing they, they hate more than paying claimants is paying their lawyers. I, I remember specifically having done defense work in the past. Uh, being asked repeatedly by my adjuster clients, you know, when are you going to settle this case? When are you going to settle this case? Because 
they don't want us to you know charge them they don't want to see bills on their desk so it's important to understand that if you cannot work and you've been told your benefits will end and your doctors agree that you're not ready to go back to work you can take action now Tamar, anything on your end that you want to add here yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. So then obviously it's super comprehensive in terms of response. I think what I'm going to hone in on is that the whole idea about the change of definition, you know, I encourage uh, people that I speak to uh, at the firm that they really need to get this information in writing. Okay. The insurance company can't just cut off benefits without explaining why they're doing it. And it's important to have it in writing so that you can see exactly did they consider all your medical information with all of that put in, into their decision-making, what evaluation did they do? Like, for example, this woman, she's been a teacher by profession for over 25 years. Well, in order for her not to get benefits beyond the 24 months, there has to be something to say that there's something else she could do. And so from my perspective, I want to see that in black and white from the insurance company so that I can know exactly what assumptions they made and whether those assumptions were right to cut off that claim. You know, I think we've got enough time to slide in a couple more uh, emails, guys, after the break, but we'll do that first and give you a chance to uh, to take a bit of a, a breath here. The toll-free number anytime, by the way, one 855 821 is a website to go to. You can uh, find past radio episodes and the TV show as well, covidrights.ca. Of course, it, it says what the name says, all information on the COVID pandemic as it relates to not only disability but also employment as well, covidrights.ca. And you send along an email, help at disabilityrights.ca as well. We'll get to our last few minutes here of the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And we're back, Disability Law Show. And uh, to contact, you know, 1-855-821-5900. MyDisabilityQuestions.com is a wonderful resource for you, as is COVIDRights.ca. You can go there uh, anytime. Guys, want to get to uh, Dana's email because we're getting down to the end here. It says, uh, my mother was on LTD for over a year. For uh, rheumatoid arthritis and chronic joint pain, she's 58 years old and worked as a dental assistant for many years. Her doctors say that she continues to be unable to work, but her new adjuster said that she needs to provide more documentation to support her disability. She did that just last month before the COVID pandemic started, and now she has difficulty getting a hold of her doctors to give her another update. The new adjuster is threatening to cut her off if she doesn't give her new information, but there's nothing new to report. My mother's very upset and just wants to stop dealing with the insurance company. What can she do? Well, John, again, this is very, um, uh, I would say, no, it's a new normal that I see now, uh, not so much with new adjusters asking for these things, but for people to be struggling with getting updated reports for their insurance companies. Look, insurance companies are entitled to updates. You yep. know, we have, to, we have to, to understand that they need to understand what your your situation is every so often, depending on the person's illness. In some situations, they don't need they need an update maybe once a year. In other situations, it may be a few months. Here, we're dealing with a new adjuster. One of the things we don't know necessarily is what uh, you know the last report said and how extensive it was. Uh, because look, if if the last report from a month ago was very extensive, uh, let's say a page, two page, three pages, and really explained the functional limitations that Dana, Dana's mother uh, has, uh, well then, you know, to say now during this COVID pandemic that you need to get another report that will essentially say the exact same thing 
now, you know, when doctors are difficult to get a hold of and are inundated with other individuals coming to them with emergency situations, I think it would be unreasonable. So I think we have to balance out both what the insurance company is entitled to and the reality on the ground with individuals right now. To me, just from the tone of the email here and what's happening, it seems to me like this new adjuster is taking an advantage of the situation, uh, trying to pressure Dana's mother. Uh, and and look, you know, you can you can hear it from Dana's tone here that she says that her mother is very upset and just wants to stop dealing with the insurance company. That's the best case scenario for the insurance company. Remember, if an insurance company can make you not not necessarily force you, but pressure you into just letting go of your benefits, shaking you off claim, that is the best case scenario. They know that they're going to keep all the money that they owe you in their pockets. And people like, like you know, Dana's mother simply walk away from money that is owed to them. And I say owed because this is, you know, it's a legal, you know, in, this is in the legal sense. It's owed to her. I mean, clearly she's disabled based on what Dana's writing us. So I think that what Dennis's mother needs to do, and maybe with Dennis's help, is email the adjuster explaining the difficulty in getting this report, stating that she is trying, stating as well that nothing has changed from the last time that she got the report a month ago, and also mentioning that she, you know, as soon as she's able to get a hold of her rheumatologist, she will provide an updated report. Uh, but as a result of this pandemic, there may be some delays. Uh, and she needs to also mention, I think, again, everything in writing via email to the adjuster, uh, that this is placing significant psychological pressure on her, increasing her anxiety, uh, potentially causing her depression and whatever else it's causing her. This all has to be in writing. And the reason, John, it has to be in writing is because if this adjuster ends up cutting Dana's mother off benefits and we get involved, we want that in writing. We want in writing the fact that Dana, uh, sorry, that Dana's mother has, has made all these efforts so that nobody can actually say down the road that uh, she didn't comply with her obligations under the policy. And frankly, this is one of those cases where I would not hesitate not only making a legal claim against the insurance company for the benefits owed, but also ask for punitive damages, damages to punish this adjuster and the insurance company for doing what they're doing, for trying to take advantage of a vulnerable person in this unprecedented time. Almost out of time, Tamar. What do you think? I, I, I totally, uh, yeah, I totally agreed, John and uh, Savan. Not surprisingly, and and that was what came to mind to me right away. This idea that it's just unreasonable in this unprecedented time. And you know, here's what I will say: our team is really keeping a close eye as to what these insurance companies are doing during this pandemic. You know, it's it's yes, it's unprecedented, but it also doesn't mean that it should suspend rights. And Dana's mother has rights, uh, and it just does not seem like it's reasonable for this adjuster to take advantage essentially of the situation without there being some recourse. And, and this is where I echo what Savan was saying about bad faith um, and punitive. Uh, it just does not uh, sound good uh, for the insurance company to take this approach during a time where people cannot get access to medical treatment without, frankly, exposing themselves potentially to infection as well. Final thought, Savan, before we wrap, what do you think? You know, just on, on the point that Tamar made here and everything we've discussed uh, during the show and, and, and every show, really, People need to understand that they have a lot more power than they think they do when it comes to dealing with insurance companies. Uh, you know, there, there, there is this illusion out there, uh, this, this mirage that insurance companies are these billion-dollar entities with unlimited power. Well, yes, they have billions of dollars, but they want to keep that money. And the way they keep that money is by making you think that you have no power. You know that the the the, the you know the, the legal landscape is slanted against you. It's not. It's actually slanted against them. 
because when there is an ambiguity in an insurance contract, for example, the courts interpret that ambiguity against the insurance companies. You know, people need to understand that when they are being bullied and, and aggressively pursued by an adjuster, they have recourse, right? They have to stand up for their rights. The one thing I can't do for someone is I can't stand, I can't make that person stand up for their rights. That person has to contact me, contact my team, and then we can jump into action. Then we can take the necessary step to force the insurance company to pay people what they're owed. But you have to take that step. And if you're listening and it doesn't apply to you, but applies to someone you know, a friend, a colleague, a family member, make sure that you tell them to call us or at least to go to our website to learn their rights. And John, you've given that website before. It's not just covidrights.ca, it's also disabilityrights.ca. There's a ton of good information there for people to know and to absorb and to take in. Those two websites, in addition to that, the uh, toll-free phone number, 1-855-821-5900. Want to send along an email as well for a future show or just to reach out, help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.